Good morning, folks. This is Joel Martin with you for the Everlasting Word. Now, today, <clears throat> I have a little bit of a peculiar question for you, but we know that the Lord uh, declared to Israel that they were to be a peculiar people to the world or the surrounding nations around Israel, so as he also calls us to be a peculiar people to this world. Now, the question I got for you would be, what is your treasure? Now, you might be kind of scratching your head thinking, well, what does Joel mean by that? But as I go through the message, it will become clearer to us as to what really is our treasure. So we're going to look at two passages of Scripture today. It's going to be in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. And then we're going to end in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. So as we look in Exodus chapter 20, this is where the Ten Commandments are being issued. And we're going to look at the very first commandment. For it says, beginning in verse 1 of Exodus 20, it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. <clears throat> Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, if we look at this scripture... Let's notice in verse 2 how the Lord identifies himself to Israel. He says, I am the Lord thy God. Now, whether Israel had actually been wondering who their God really is, the Lord identifies himself to Israel and says, I am the Lord thy God. And then he goes on in, uh, in uh, verse 2 and he tells them why. He is Israel's Lord. He says, <clears throat> which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, he's identifying himself to Israel. He's telling them why he's their God. I'm the one that brought you out of bondage. I'm the one that uh, sent all those plagues. I'm the one that defeated Pharaoh, the most powerful man at the time, the most powerful army at the time. Nobody has authority over me. Nobody has power over me. And if we stop and think about it in our own personal life, if we are truly born again, regardless of how we're living our life, the Lord thy God is our God because he is the one that sent the only begotten son of God to, to come to this earth in the likeness of sinful man, to live a perfect life, to go to the cross, to shed his blood. He that knew no sin became sin for you and I. And on the third day he arose, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And because of that work that Jesus Christ did for us, and that all we had to do is come by faith, for we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And because of that work that the Lord Jesus Christ has done that for us, he delivered us out of bondage, out of a devil's and he is our God. But see, he identifies himself to Israel and he tells them why he's their God. And because of that, 
he tells them, he gives them the very first commandment. He says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He's commanding that to Israel. He commands that to you and I because of what he's done for us. We are to have no other gods before him because there's no one else more powerful than him. There's no one else with greater authority of him. There's no other God whereby whereby by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, man must be saved. There, There is no other God. There is no other deity or anything that has greater authority or greater power. So we're to have no other gods before him. Now, we go to verse 4. That God tells Israel, you're not to be like other countries. Now, we, we stop and think about this. This generation of Israel was brought out of Egypt where they witnessed, they saw a lot of idolatry. They saw a lot of graven images. They saw a lot of people bowing down to these images. They saw people serving the religious rituals that was associated with these graven images. They saw that. <clears throat> And they were also being led and being prepared to cross over Jordan and to go into Canaan. Although this generation of Israel didn't go, it was the second generation that went into Canaan. But they were also going to see similar types of rituals, similar types of idolatry in the land of Canaan. And they were commanded to drive the inhabitants out of the land of Canaan. But see, the Lord said in verse 4, he says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So all these other countries are practicing these rituals, but Israel, you're not going to do that. You've been commanded not to do that. You're going to be a peculiar people to these surrounding countries, and we are called to be a peculiar people to this world. They're to look at us, and and we're not to worship the same things that that the world does. We're not to practice the same things that the world does. We're to be a peculiar people. We're to be a shining light. But now... Does this world practice idolatry? Absolutely, this world practices idolatry. But it's not quite as obvious as what the nation of Israel witnessed in Egypt. And then when the second generation of Israel crossed over Jordan, it's not quite as obvious as what they witnessed in the land of Canaan. But yes, this world does practice idolatry. But again... It's not quite as obvious. And then in verse 5, the Lord commands them, he says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now we think about you're not to bow down to them. I immediately think of Nebuchadnezzar. In, in the book of Daniel. Uh, I immediately think of that. Now, bowing down to them means that we're not to rec- we're not to even recognize them. We're not to even give them any lip service. We're not to do anything. We're not to even recognize them. And then the other thing it says, nor serve them. What, what serve them means after, after a person bows down to these things, serving them means that they practice these pagan rituals that are associated with this grave, graven image that is their God. And sometimes these these, uh, 
religious rituals are very perverted. They're, they're an abomination to the Lord thy God. And he says, you're not to bow down to them and you're not to serve them. But in this world today, we might not be physically bowing down to something. Again, it's not quite as obvious, but we got to stop and think about it. Whatever consumes our thoughts and what we talk about the most and where we spend that, where we focus our time, that is our God. Now, <clears throat> what we focus our time around, what we consume our, what, what consumes our thoughts, what we talk about the most is what we is what the fo what we focus our energy and our time around and everything else gets pushed aside. So we have to ask ourselves, do we focus our time and energy on our Lord and Savior and we plan everything else around that? Or is there something else that we focus our time and energy and the Lord thy God gets pushed aside? If that's the case, then yes, we are bowing down to something else. Yes, we are serving something else. It's to, to you, it might seem hard harmless, but what's happening is if we don't have our time and energy, our number one priority focused on our Lord and Savior, we have another God before him, and thus we are practicing idolatry. Now, it might seem very subtle, for we know that the, the serpent, Satan entered the serpent in the garden, and he was the most subtle creature in the garden, for Satan is very crafty. He is very clever, clever in how he deals in our hearts and our minds, and, and something that might seem so harmless to us, but if we don't have our number one priority on our Lord and Savior, we don't have Him as our number one priority in our life. So, how is it that we do practice idolatry? Well, in this world today, it becomes a matter of the heart. So we look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, which says, and this is Jesus speaking, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, what is most dear to your heart, what you hold in the highest regard, what you, what you love the most, that's where your heart's going to be because that is your treasure. And, and if, if there's something that we hold more dear in our heart because the Bible tells us that we are to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our might. If there's something that we love more than the Lord thy, than the true and living Lord God, we have another God before him. And now, it might not be obvious to other people, but the Lord, other people can't see our heart. The the Lord knows our heart. He knows the intentions of our heart. And if there is something that we love more than him, we are practicing idolatry. And if we think about what do we do with a, pray, with a treasure? Well, first, first off, we think we, we want to equate a treasure to money or some kind of monetary value. Well, <clears throat> the first thing we do with the treasure is we protect it. 
we protect it. Whatever it is, whether it's something tangible or intangible in our life, we protect it. Now, we got to think about it is, do we protect our hearts and minds through study of God's Word and through prayer and communion with our Lord and, and so that we may walk and talk with Him in His paths of righteousness for His name's sake? Do we protect our spiritual lives and our relationship with Him like we would protect our bank account? You know, we really got to ask ourselves that. You know, we're constantly looking at at our at our savings in our life to see, you know, when we become at retirement age, are we going to have enough? And and yes, that's true. We need to do these things. But that should not take precedence over our service and our worship of the Lord our God. Now, after we protect our treasure, we want to grow it. We want it to become bigger. We want it to become larger. So <clears throat> we have to ask ourselves, is the purpose of our heart to grow closer each and every day to our Lord? Or is it to grow something else in our life? Again, I'm using the bank account as an example. And yes, we all need to plan for tomorrow. Again, that, that's true. That's very true. That is a, that is a very wise practice. But again, the, the concern and worry over our finances should not take precedence over the worship and service to the Lord our God. But see, we want to grow it. We want it to become larger. So we must, the, the intent of our heart, if we truly have the Lord thy God as our number one priority in our life, we, we're going to want to walk closer to him tomorrow as we did today. The next, next week, we'll walk closer to him as we walk this week. Next month, walk closer to him as we did last month. And that should be the priority in our life. And when we get the matter of our hearts uh, solved and we have have no other gods before them. Then we become, we get to the point in our life where we, we protect our relationship with our Lord and Savior. And we grow, we grow our relationship with our Lord and Savior. And everything else becomes secondary in our life. I know I've got to the point in my life that if I'm not studying the way I should be studying, if I'm not praying the way I should be praying, I don't stand a chance. I, I, I am defeated. I don't stand a chance because Joel Martin's power Joel Martin's intellect, what you will, or anything associated with Joel Martin cannot overcome the fiery darts and the evils of Satan. The only thing that can overcome is through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the only thing that was going to deliver Egypt, uh, the only thing was, that was going to deliver Israel out of Egypt was the Lord thy God. The only thing that was going to save you and I out of a devil's hell is the Lord thy God. In other words, we, we cannot stand before Satan. It must be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to protect our treasure and our relationship to the Lord thy God. And we need to grow our treasure in our relationship to the Lord thy God. So, whether we have a God before the true and the living God is truly a matter of the heart. So that's the message. I hope you've enjoyed it. And this is Joel Martin.